Islamic Finance News, the world's leading Islamic finance news provider, this is IFN Podcast. Australia finds itself in a rather unique situation. Interest rates are rising amid soaring inflation, yet unemployment is at record slow. So how are macroeconomic conditions impacting Islamic financial services in Australia? We speak to Muzama Dehdi, the Chief Operating Officer of Hejaz Financial Services, to find out. Hi Muzamil, and thank you so much for joining us today. So some would argue that the current world economy is in tatters with interest rates ballooning, cost of living skyrocketing, and you know companies in many countries are actually collapsing from the economic pressure. So before we dive into the Islamic finance sector in Australia, I'd like to begin our conversation today with asking you to help us understand what the economic situation is like in Australia. Um, first of all, guys, thank you, Vanita, for the introduction and for having me on today's uh, podcast. Um, the economic condition uh, in Australia uh, overall um, it is... It, there, it, it's quite multifaceted in many ways, where you, when you consider, for example, um, the employment market in Australia, we have historically low unemployment rates, which means that you know a lot of people, uh, the vast majority of people have gainful employment. Um, but then that creates a challenge in the labour market where, for example, employers are struggling to find uh, you know, employees to fill positions and roles. So that creates a twofold challenge. It's good to have people gainfully employed. That means they have they earn a decent salary, decent income, and therefore able to you know support themselves financially. But at the same time, businesses are now struggling to find uh, good talent. Similarly, we're also seeing um, an increase in broader market interest rates as well, which again um, presents opportunities for some and challenges for others. Right. So there are people who have already borrowed to buy property, for example. They're finding that on a month-to-month basis, their mortgage repayments on their home are going up. And that's presenting a budget challenge for them at a family household level. But at the same time, because the financing rates are going up, that is resulting in fewer people being eligible for home financing in some instances, and therefore fewer people going and purchasing property, which is bringing down gradually the property price as well from where it was, which were historically high levels. So at the same time, now as the property prices come down, it opens the opportunity up for people, for new entrants into the market to participate in the Australian property market as well. So um, in, in that regard, yes, it's uh, you know it depends on where you are at a personal financial level, what stage um, a family may find themselves at in terms of their finances. But overall. I think Australia, the economic environment here is still quite strong, quite stable. We're a very, very fortunate, very prosperous country. Um, and uh, despite the challenges of COVID and whatnot, uh, we're very fortunate that we've been able to navigate our way through these challenging times without too much um, economic turmoil or pain across the country. Okay, and I think your point about a rising interest rate is very interesting. And I'm curious to know how is rising interest rates affecting Islamic finance activities in Australia? And I ask this with the knowledge that Sharia-compliant financial activities in Australia largely revolves around home financing or home mortgages. And the fact that also experts have warned that more Aussies are likely to lose their homes and fall into bankruptcy in the next few months. Um, well, the, the, the... 
that is a, that's a two-part question from, from my perspective. Number one, um, you know, how does the rising interest rate impact, uh, you know, Islamic finance providers? Uh, and at the same time, you know, what, uh, what, how, what's the state of play when it comes to households and how they're managing the rising, um, you know, cost of borrowing? the interest rates as we uh, some may call them. Um, I'll answer the second part first. So in, in terms of um, the general households that are there, we find that from a general perspective, now I understand that there are obviously oh, there are always going to be exceptions to the norm. Um, but for, for most households they have you know a healthy amount of equity in their homes already. A lot of people you know bought property uh, before the, the prices began to rise rapidly and therefore they are now sitting on highly valued assets. So their houses, their homes, even though the, the loan in that may be sizable, but the value of the home has also appreciated significantly considerably over the last you know 18 to 24 months. So therefore, um, we find that a lot of these borrowers are quite far ahead in their mortgages, um, and they have already, you know, amassed a surplus or in their offset accounts and whatnot in terms of managing their mortgage. So we're not seeing, uh, particularly on, on the HR side of things, we haven't seen any instances of you know mortgage default or arrears or late payments and whatnot. We're seeing a very very healthy, um, you know, loan book and and and, and lending activity. Um, from our borrowers. Now, that's not to say that there aren't others in the market, maybe those who have, you know, who borrowed with very little deposit to purchase their homes. Um, there have been products in the past offered in the Australian market, not by ourselves, but by other providers, with very, very low deposit rates, which then brought people into the market who ideally shouldn't have been purchasing property with such low amounts of deposit to start with. And therefore, the equity position in their properties from day one has always been very low, and all it took was even the slightest reduction in the property value or the property price to then result in them being in a negative equity position where essentially the lender or the bank owns more of their property than they themselves do. So um, that's, uh, that's a very challenging circumstance for some individuals, but I think if we look at by and large overall, um, most Australians, as I said, because the employment levels here remain you know, at a very healthy or historically low level in terms of unemployment, um, we find that most people are able to adjust their home, their family budgets and adjust their maybe lifestyle expenditure or discretionary expenditure to be able to accommodate for these increases in their mortgage repayments. So at this stage, we haven't yet seen too much by way of mortgage stress. That's not to say that there isn't any to come in, in, in the future. That may very well be the case, but we can only look at what's here and now in front of us. Now, this, the other part of the question was around how these rising rates are impacting um, the Islamic finance market. Um, obviously, I can only speak to the Hijaz offering and how we do things. And one one of the you know the uniquely uh, unique salient features of the Hijaz home finance or Hijaz mortgage offering is that we fund the mortgages through investment funding um, that we have access to. Now, investment investment funding is is driven, or the cost of that funding is driven by the expectations of the investors who invest in those funds that we utilize to, to be able to, you know, um, uh, to, 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 to fund the, the mortgages. Um, so as the investor expectations increase, and they are now increasing because investors are seeing that there are other mortgage funds in the market or other credit funds in the market, albeit conventional non-Islamic funds, because the interest rates are going up, the level of profitability or higher degree of return to the investor because of a higher interest rate is now becoming more and more attractive 
to prospective investors in the market. So on the on the Hijaz Islamic side as well, on our investors are now also expecting a higher investment return uh, for themselves. So we, as a facilitator, have to have to balance that barbell where we have the barbell analogy, where on one side you have the investor, on the other side you have the borrower, the borrower, and you have to manage the interests of both sides. That so you don't want to disadvantage or disenfranchise either side for the benefit of the other. Where if the financing rates are very, very high, then investors are going to be very, very happy because their returns are very healthy. But at the same time, borrowers are being driven away because the financing rates are no longer competitive. But on the flip side, if we make the, the financing or borrowing rates very, very low and very affordable, then the investors are missing out because they're, they're seeing that there are other opportunities in the market where the returns may be higher and more compelling for them. So we, as the asset managers, as the mortgage management managers, in between have to balance those two expectations. So we are not in any way pegged against the Reserve Bank of Australia where as the Reserve Bank drives up their rates, our rates go up. Um, that's definitely not the case. That's evidenced by the fact that we're finding now that for the first time in, in decades, the Islamic finance rates that we offer are actually being more competitive than even what the banks in Australia offer. So we're roughly about, in some instances, 1% or sometimes even 1.5% cheaper than what regular conventional banks in the Australian market are offering to their customers by way of standard variable interest rates on, you know, on a principal and interest basis. So that's a very, very exciting proposition for us. Where our, um, you know, our target market, our consumers or clients or customers, as well as the brokers who offer our products to their clients, uh, are in a very, very strong position to be able to offer these products because they are very, very competitively priced relative to market. Right. So in light of what you share, you know, the apparent advantages of Islamic financial instruments or Ijara in particular, um, amid rising interest rates, you talk about it being more competitively priced. I'm curious to know what the adoption rate for Islamic finance is like among Muslims and non-Muslims, like in your experience, like what has just seen, what kind of tractions are you actually seeing? Um, we, we've experienced uh, an exponential increase in demand over the last three to four years. Um, it, it's been, uh, you know, we've obviously had to, you know, really lift our resources internally to ensure that we're able to cater for that demand. We've invested very heavily into technology to ensure that there is a really streamlined, straightforward process to ensure that um, as the demand for our products and services increases, we have the capabilities internally, be it personnel or technology platforms and whatnot, to be able to cater for that. But we've definitely seen an increase and an uptake. And I think that uptake or increase can, I think, be attributed to two, two factors. Um, number one, as I mentioned, the competitiveness of the product, be it from a financing rate perspective or an investment product perspective. So now we have more and more investment products available in the market. We cater more broadly for more types of investors. In the past, our products may have been limited or restricted to particular you know, investor types. Those were seeking maybe you know, more equities-based investments or balanced risk, risk profile investments. Now, there are a plethora of options. We have, um, at the moment, we manage five investment funds and in the coming weeks, we're launching another two ETFs, exchange traded funds, which will be the first Islamic uh, ETFs on the Australian Stock Exchange, first ever in history, which again makes our products more and more available, more accessible, and therefore the demand for these increases. 
I think that's a very, very important factor to consider when we look at the adoption rates of Islamic finance products in the market. I think the second factor also is that there is a growing awareness of the Islamic products um, and services in, in the Australian market. I think there's a lot, there's been a lot of media activity around what we've been doing in the market, around you know our application for a banking license, the launch of our new funds, the competitiveness of our rates and whatnot, and that's really building a lot of awareness. And Muslim consumers around the country are now beginning to realise that I can actually align my finances with my faith without compromising or sacrificing financial benefits or financial gains for myself. And that really has not been the case up until very, very recently in the Australian Islamic finance market, where it was always a known fact, people knew, um, it was almost like a default mindset that people had, that if I go for something Sharia compliant or Islamic, I will be sacrificing my financial uh, well-being or my financial position in order to um, you know, align with my faith and my religion. That is now very much not the case, where you know investment products are delivering competitive returns, finance products are being offered at competitive rates, the quality of service, the level of interaction with uh, with firms like ourselves in terms of some financing, the technology platforms available, the consumer interaction, consumer customer service, and whatnot is now it's now becoming almost at par or in some instances even better than what the conventional product providers are offering in the market. So this is just a, 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 a symbol of the maturity of the Islamic finance market in Australia and consumers and customers are now beginning to believe more and more in the offerings available to them. That sounds really, really promising. And I'm glad you brought up funds or ETFs because another big Islamic finance sector in Australia is, of course, the superannuation funds. Are you able to comment on um, any of their performance or uptake um, amid the current economic backdrop? Um, well, we're seeing, we're seeing, obviously, the superannuation industry overall in Australia is rapidly growing. We had, um, you know, in, in the past, we've had a max, uh, a, a minimum, you know, employer contribution in terms of superannuation in Australia to be 9%. That then increased to 10 Now it's 10.5% in the coming, uh, you know, uh, months and years. It will increase even further, which then further grows the superannuation pool in Australia. And we're similarly seeing that Muslim, um, you know, uh, consumers, Muslim clients are becoming more and more aware of their choices around superannuation. And now they're seeing that I don't have to be in a default, you know, conventional non-Islamic superannuation fund. I can actually move my superannuation to an Islamic provider who can provide me a, a competitive, competitive, comparable offering and deliver me the financial benefits that I'm seeking without compromising on my faith and my religion as well. So the superannuation market in Australia is rapidly increasing. Islamic finance, Islamic superannuation, excuse me, um, is also gaining a lot more traction in, in the Australian market. And that, that comes a lot from, you know, the performance and the deliverables um, that, uh, that, that Islamic supernation providers are coming with in Australia. So even the Hijaz um, offering as well, obviously it has been a very challenging last financial year, or last 12 months um, for all investment managers, even around the globe, you know, not just in Australia, but um, you know, internationally as well, where the um, you know equity markets around the globe are being challenged, obviously by inflationary pressures, by interest rate pressures, by you know economic uncertainties, by you know the unrest uh, between Russia and Ukraine, supply chain issues through Asia and China in particular. All of these, these multitude of factors that are there are definitely impacting 
the performance of funds. Yet, um, you know, the, the Hijaz Islamic Superannuation offering remains uh, competitive in terms of its returns. Um, we have not yet published formal returns as such because obviously end of financial year, all of our funds um, get, you know, we, we, we close off from a tax perspective, from an audit perspective and whatnot, and then we publish returns. So we intend um, to publish returns in the coming weeks. Um, but uh, we're, from where we sit right now, the, our performances have been quite competitive uh, and comparable to others in the market, despite others in the market having you know, a large array, because they're, they're conventional investment managers, they have such a broad array of investment options to select from, whereas, as you know, as an Islamic investment manager, there is a limited investment universe because we're applying all the Sharia filters to the investments. Um, to the investable universe, and then only arriving at a small subset of allowable investments that we can consider for inclusion in our portfolios. Excellent. Thank you so much, Samuel, for joining us today. Thank you for listening. For more discussions on the Islamic finance industry, log on to www.islamicfinancenews.com. You can also listen to IFN Podcast on your favorite platforms, including iTunes and Spotify.